0: Hi, this is Johnny Eccles from Love, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Welcome to Pamela Debar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon Podcast. Music, culture conversation, a play a song for me. and good old-fashioned rock and roll. Excuse me I kiss this so now, I give you Miss Pamela and her Pajama Party.
1: Hello, dolls. This is Pamela Daybar, Pamela Daybar's Pajama Party on Pantheon. We have many, many different podcasts for you to choose from. It's such a fantastic group of characters with all of our musical, interesting, fascinating tales. Okay. So please tune in to all my other compatriots here on Pantheon Podcasts. And today, I have a very special guest, uh, my dear longtime friend Michelle Overman. She is in both my video uh, kind of movie; it's a ninety-minute VH1 film called "Let's Spend the Night Together," and also in the same book of the same title. And she and I met when I was nineteen and she was seventeen. She was a little... Actually, old. no, I was 18.
2: I think you had just turned 20 because I remember you wrote in your journal that you were blue-eyed, blonde, blue-eyed, and 20 and how great that oh, was. Oh, did I?
1: Okay. <laughs> All right, then Michelle had just turned 18 or about to turn 18. and I was, no, I was 18. And I, I, I,
2: I know it's <laughs> funny.
1: Anyway... Oh, that, you might have... We met in... No, we met in April, so you might not have turned... You might have been 19. You might have still been a teenager. I think I was 19, time. honey. I think I was. So here's how we met. Um, I'm going to tell my remembrance and then Michelle will okay. tell first. Um, I was uh, a big, huge Flying Burrito Brothers fan. A lot of people ask me, you know, who is your favorite band of all time? And they really do expect me to say Led Zeppelin or who I loved, but, you know, or The Doors or something. It is the Flying Burrito Brothers.
2: Burrito Brothers, yes.
1: I, I yes. never saw them. Actually, I saw them, I meant to say more than any other person ever saw them, I think, except for their road manager, Jimmy Sider, because I... You're never- very lucky. So,
2: very, I'm- very lucky for
1: that. Well I know. I never missed a show. So I remember coming out to the dance floor and doing my thing, and you were already on the dance floor, and I think you were out there alone, if I'm not mistaken, on the dance floor, right? I don't remember being with anyone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You were alone. Uh, yep. I don't remember before. anything. And sorry, I. Was, again? You were alone on the dance floor. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know, know how I got there that night. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember? Let's try to remember that.
2: No, I remember it. I just don't remember how I got there. I just My first memory is being on the dance floor and seeing this little blonde angel. And I remembered you from the Rolling Stone article, the Gookies article. And I remember when I saw your picture in that article, you were sitting in the middle of of all the other details on the floor with your legs. I said, that girl and I are going to be friends. I just knew it. And so when I saw
1: you, I, I just kind of made a beeline to you. And we met that night, and you yep. had come to town from New York hmm How long had you been there? Do you remember? A couple of what? weeks, maybe. Couple of weeks. Maybe a couple of weeks, yeah. And you were you had come to LA to try to reconnect with Graham Parsons. Is this correct? Partly, yes. There's
2: other reasons, but that was yeah, I had actually, even though I had already met Robert and knew I was in love with Robert, once I heard the burritos, there was just something so magical about them and about him in particular. It was just impossible not to he was one of those people that has such a magnetism, like Evan says, he can open his, their heart. Those people can open their heart chakra at will, and you can't resist. And his music was just like that. So yeah, I I was just in love with the music, and you know, he was the person that wrote it. So yeah, I I had a very short affair with him, and, and I did have a huge crush on him. So yeah, that was one of the. the heart, and also,
1: I love that heart chakra idea. Have their heart chakras open, and they're irresistible. I love that idea. <laughs> That came from my my hubby. You can see why I'm married. Evan is her husband. He's been helping us put this thing together today.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was in the cat cat box hell, and and he was helping get it, making sure it didn't fall (laughs) apart completely. Robert,
1: he was referring to earlier, is Robert Plant, which we will get into later. Um, Michelle and I were seeing jimmy and robert at the same time and we're going to go into that story but right now i want to stay here with the graham parsons and us meeting and all that yes because it was pretty great you know i've never really discussed with you in any kind of detail uh what it was like to spend that kind of intimate quality time with graham parsons we've never it was pretty it was pretty
2: great it was very strange because uh, I met him in the scene, of course, that's where I met everybody. It was like being a kid in a candy store. Everybody came in there who was a musician. And so for us girls, especially the really pretty ones that, you know, were, were attractive, these guys would come in and they'd all hit on us. And we basically, you know, you got to know a lot of people. You didn't go out with everybody, but there, you know, a lot of people actually met their husbands there and their wives. But I, when I saw the burritos, I just, it's indescribable. I just could not believe the music It just, instantly touched my heart. I still have the, the this promotional copy of Gilded Palace the Sin that Graham gave me.
1: Oh uh-huh. I still have it. And that's I still cool. play it. I still have the copy he gave me of the International Submarine Band, his first record. So that's pretty cool. That's so, that's another app you were just about one of the prettiest people who ever lived. You and you and Catherine James. So how did you meet Graham that night? I guess he just Flock to you, right? Well, I had
2: this dress that uh, a friend of my friend Jeanette's made. She did a lot of work, like with uh, Native American kind of designs. She made this green suede dress. That was a mini dress. It was fringe along the bottom. It laced up the the front. Had these long fringes, kind of like the shirts you made for Jimmy. Yeah. That uh, made out of raw, you know, made out of buckskin. I can't remember what it was. It might have been doe skin It was really, really pretty. It had long fringes on the sleeves, around the hem, and it laced up the the top. And I think Graham saw me in that dress, and because it was right up his nudie alley, the dress, and and I looked good in it, that he was attracted to, you know, the whole thing. And we met, and you know, he took me home that night to the hotel and um told me all about nancy and that you know she was but that's i think what the main attraction was because after the four nights we spent together they went to philadelphia the to philadelphia and when they came back i wasn't wearing that dress anymore and we had kind of an argument and there was this really nice guy who this african-american singer songwriter and he what was his name? I can't remember, but anyway, he and I, he was talking to me, and I said, I don't know why you know, Graham suddenly is so angry. He said, I think that you were this Indian princess, and then when the dress came off, you <laughs> weren't the same person, you weren't the Indian princess anymore. So maybe it was a dress,
1: I don't know. Well, I br- I'm sure the dress came off in the hotel room as well. Well,
2: yeah, it certainly,
1: <laughs> definitely-
2: <laughs> and I also. He was he was wonderful to be with. He was very gentlemanly, very courtly. Yeah, uh, I
0: would think
2: their, their, their guy from A M Records, who was the head of A and R and was Michael Vossi. And yeah. Somehow or another, I wound up living with him because my friend Lottie, uh, he was crazy about Lottie, and so she and I somehow or another decided to move to L.A. and we moved in with him, and he we didn't have to do anything but cook cook. Meals and you know, keep the house kind of clean, and we don't have to pay any rent or anything. So, that I don't know how we, in fact, the first memory I have of Lottie and I going to LA is she wakes me up, we're on the airplane, she wakes me up, she says, Wake up, Michelle, we're in heaven. I look out the window, and there's all these clouds because we were above yeah. the cloud line, and the sun's shining down. And that was the first memory I have of moving there. But yeah. we, you know, so, so I, I don't know how we decided, just that she, I think because she had. Had an affair with Jackson Brown and um, met Michael maybe through him, but he was, he had a question on her. Everybody had a question on Lottie
1: because yeah, she Lottie you was, remember so how pretty. I remember really. going up to that house and hanging out with you yeah. girls up there at Michael Vossi's house. Yeah, mm-hmm. i backtrack a little bit because you said okay. he, he told you, Graham told you about Nancy at that time. Yes. And I was and, already and spending a lot of time with Nancy and Polly, her baby daughter, who was my goddaughter and i'm just he brought her up why why would he bring her up to you which is very interesting because he had just she she had he said she he said i just had
2: um, a heartbreak i -hmm. broke up with you know my um fiance i don't remember what she called that he said you know this one he was very in love with and they were supposed to get married blah blah and that that she had broken his heart recently and that um there's a song on the on the album called Juanita and I guess Chris wrote it about he was heartbroken. This girl, this little Mexican girl in this little town came along and you know, she was such a little angel that she healed him. And he said, You're my Juanita.
1: Oh. Well this is yeah. a fabulous story. I've never yeah, heard of you it. Know
2: well, yes, you, you, did. you told did. me that you told 50 me. years ago. <laughs> anyway you, you mentioned her you said that oh you know the real one he needed was this like fat little girl <laughs> and i said well he must have gotten something out of it anyway graham said that i
1: guess i helped heal him well that's so, you know. funny and you know i can tell you what happened there you know graham had decided he called he was having a dress made for nancy to, to get right. married in by nudie thousand dollar wedding dress yeah thousand dollar wedding he wrote about the hot burritos one and two and that thousand Not- dollar dress was about her now for some reason he called that dress off he called off the making of that dress and she found that out i think she called this to for a fitting or something and the people's nudie right yeah it was a nudie it was, dress. yeah and and they said oh graham canceled that now, in, you know, it was impossible to reach somebody on the road then. And, she, you know, I'm sure she tried to reach him about that, but she couldn't find him. And what happened was I was spending the weekend with her that weekend, her and Polly. Oh, you were there? Yes, I that was weekend. there. Okay. And another friend was there. Graham's old drummer from Mickey Govin, I believe. His yes, from, from the from International Submarine. Yeah. Yeah. He was staying there, too. And she was so upset about Graham canceling this. She assumed the wedding was off too because the dress was canceled. And she she had a fling with him. And I, I kept saying, don't do this, Nancy. I mean, I was the voice of reason for her. I, I remember you telling me this. Yeah, I, remember I loved you. Graham so much. And I, and I was saying, don't do this to him. not do, There's gotta be some kind of misunderstanding. I mean, anyway, she did it and he felt. Oh man, out. what a mistake. It a, oh, a Scorpio. God. There's no way a Scorpio <laughs> is gonna oh. let her get away with that. No way. And then Graham found out, of course, came back. When he came back, he found this whole story, and I was just so I was so mortified about it. And he beat Mickey. I mean, if you can imagine Graham about the slimmest, beating anybody. But but Mickey was even smaller. (laughs) Well, if you're mad enough, you know,
2: especially about something like that, you you just become a crazy person. You find the end. I, in the book though, the Graham Parson book, the one that's that's really good, actually there was a few mistakes in that book. Yeah, there's a few mistakes. <laughs> well, you know, Michael Vasi was with the Burritos and that, and I met him when he when I was going with Graham, but in the book he doesn't mention anything about me, which is really strange because I wound up living at Michael's house for months, you know, before I moved in with you. Yeah. So, uh, and then they talked about how he met this little girl in Philadelphia. and. you know slept with her and then the next night she comes with her mother and father and that you know completely freaked them out because she was underage and like she was gonna marry him so and i think maybe because of that whole thousand dollar wedding dress which was indian maybe that dress seemed like an omen to him the one that i had on i thought
1: it it was a pretty dress i I saw the drawings of that dress what it was supposed to look like it really wasn't indian it was more like It it was more like a nudie suit looking dress it didn't really look Indian to me, but, you know, I huh. don't, it, it never got made. So we don't know what it would really look like. What it would look like, yeah. <laughs> I saw the drawings. I... But, but anyway, I, he beat Mickey up. Nancy and him broke up completely, and she never got over it. She never got over nope. it. But it was her fault, if you want to go there. I mean, she she made that mistake of sleeping with a, his friend. Oh, my God. You but he you got know. some really good songs out of it. <laughs> Some
2: of the best songs I've ever written were written yeah, for yeah. her. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, when I met her, remember we hitchhiked up to uh, Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, I remember we got stopped. We were hitchhiking. We were hitchhiking. We got stopped in Oxnard, California, and there were these two cops. One was really young, and um, they stopped us and said, "Well, what are you two girls doing?" You know, because we were so young and pretty, and they just was. You know, stupid cops. So anyway, <laughs> you, show, you show, well, sometimes they can't you know, stop pretty girls just to chat them up. I mean, it happened to me attempt to, to commit at jaywalking, you know, but anyway, so these cops, you know, they were nice enough. And then when you showed your ID, uh, I remember it was in profile, because back then in LA, if you were under 21, you got a, a, a photo, you got Oh, a, a, a your memory's incredible. In profile. But anyway, the cop, so, The cop said to you, well, why are you girls hitchhiking if you have a driver's license? Where's your car? And you said, I sold my car to visit my relatives in Kentucky. And (laughs) the young cop was from Kentucky. He said, oh, I'm from Kentucky. These girls are okay, and they let us go. How
1: in the world do you remember this stuff? I wish my memory was as clear as yours.
2: Well, there's other stuff I don't remember that you kind of sometimes jog my memory on so i i do remember a lot i do remember a lot of stuff but there are certain bits and pieces that other people fill in that's yeah. why when i write, write about my life i want to talk to everybody i can find that was you know with me especially you
1: well because I want everybody- has a very worthy story of writing um she was in the thick of everything in new york and california and london so yep. in that heyday she's considered you know one of the world's most Famous, shall we say, groupies, infamous, whatever you want to call it, and she has no regrets, which is so great about. I mean, about your you know groupie lifestyle. So no, no. Let's let's talk There's more no about that. To. Yeah, because people are very, obviously very curious about all of that. So, after you got into to L.A., you you moved in with me. Was that before or after you convinced me to go to Long Beach to see Led Zeppelin? that was after we were living together okay
2: you know I think well after we I remember and you remember too when I saw you on the dance floor I didn't know you I knew I knew that I I had I'm pretty I don't know if psychic's the right word but I'm pretty perceptive and there was just something about you and the when I saw that picture, I just knew we were going to be friends. So when I saw you, I went up to you and you were just a sparkly little thing. When you had uh, you know one of your pretty little glass farmhouse dresses on, you had a cross around your neck, and I went up to you. And in retrospect, it sounds fatty that I would do this to somebody I didn't know, but in those days things were different. Yeah, I you went can up. Yes, it was a lot I, of freedom. Yeah, a lot more freedom. And I freedom said to you, depression. I know. I said, I know you're wearing that
1: cross because you love Jesus. That's right. And that was the right thing to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally true. It really and, was. And, of course, I felt instant connection because of that. And, yeah. and we really did. We probably danced the whole rest of the night away. I was in love with him at that time. And, yeah. you know, like I said, I never missed a burrito show. So. Um, and neither one of them had time for us, but hey, we we met each other, and that was that was as good as yeah. You know, <laughs> well, Chris had time really off and on. I'm not. Yes, sure but not that night. night. Yeah, not that night. I remember bringing no. my dad to see the burritos play because um I really wanted. He loved country music, and I was really proud of the burritos, and I wanted them to meet my dad. Well, yeah. And and Chris was such an asshole. He came to the table. Just to meet my dad, he shook his hand. He shook my father's hand, and my dad said, "Let me buy you a beer." And he bought Chris a beer, and he set it on the table, and he never came back to the table. Huh. And never, yeah. I mean, you don't dish oh, dad like that. I was so upset. And Graham, you're was, what was going terrorist. on. Graham was very gracious to my dad, of course. Like you said, he's he had really southernly really genteel manners and everything. He was a gentleman. Yes, he yeah. was. He, he really very, was very very. Yeah,
2: you know um i have to say your dad was such a doll i can't imagine <laughs> anybody i remember seeing him the last time i saw him he was in your house in the valley and he had this big oxygen tank
1: yeah and, and
2: he was so he was still so gracious and so sweet and it just broke my heart because he was
1: he was very lucky to have such a wonderful dad he was he a really big was. man and that really Really sent him in a very sad, imagine spiral. Well, it was black lung disease from the coal mines. Yeah, all those years before came yeah. up and yeah, and got him. Yeah. Twenty-one to twenty-four. He worked the coal mines, but if if anyone had told him, you better not smoke, since you, so he, yeah, you know, what you if,
2: didn't know back then. No, they I didn't. Mean,
1: know. People didn't know. Is it? Was a, it anyway but they did even then call them cancer
2: sick so anyway w- luckily now most of us know enough to have not smoked for years yeah <laughs> i finally quit 17 years i haven't had a cigarette
1: yay <laughs> well okay honey so um let's go to let's go back even further because before i met you you were hanging uh-huh. out in new york i want to hear about your your relationship with your mom because i knew your mom and she was a very far out lady one of the furthest out and way ahead of the spiritual curve she was a mayor baba person um yeah mayor baba yeah who who later of course you know was made even more famous by pete townsend's tommy yeah and, and they were uh, friends yeah but before then your mom was totally into it yes and she found out about
2: mayor baba through me oh. um i had Yeah, I was one of the told, I turned it on to Mary Baba because I was in L, not in LA, I was in San Francisco. I moved there. Of course, the Summer of Love, 1967, I was working at Paraphernalia where you sit, model their clothes, dancing in the window. Yeah. And the manager, the lead sales girl, and me all moved to San Francisco, Summer of Love. And, uh, I wound up taking several hits of uh, Stanley Owsley's acid Yeah, that was super strong. He wanted to turn the world onto the universe, basically. It was was incredibly strong. So I took this one trip, and everything was – I was like a true state of enlightenment. I had like a religious experience. There was no division between anybody. We really are all one. I saw it. I know. And even though I've never had that. (laughs) I agree. You know, you know what I mean. And to, to experience that was just amazing. And I'm in Golden White Gate Park and this young woman comes up to me and hands me a card. And it has something uh, re- written on it that Mayor Baba had said about the lover and the beloved, how the, there's only God is love and there's nothing but God. So God had to manifest as the lover and the beloved. And when the, lo- the lover had to overcome all these obstacles to reach the beloved, and when he did, he realized that it was he himself who he'd been seeking all along, and he just floored me. So I, I went back to New York, and I gave the card to my mom, and I told her that you know this is something that had you know really touched me until I was on acid, but <laughs> not that she didn't didn't know I had taken it because most all of us had. But yes. uh, she she just was really intrigued, and it really struck a chord with her. And then she just took the ball and ran, and yeah, and and <laughs> at the end of her life, I I think it was a. A wonderful thing for my mom. It, she was a happier, more peaceful person because of Mayor Baba. Yeah. I think it was yeah. it was a, it was a, a, a great gift to her life that she found him. I was just the conduit. You know, I didn't. I, I
1: think so too because um, she probably today would have been categorized with bipolar or something, right? Not bipolar. no. what, what, no. what would it have been? Do you think now? You know, I don't know, but it, it certainly
2: wouldn't have been bipolar. Um, maybe I don't know honey I really don't but I mean it was difficult childhood no it wasn't it well it wasn't that bad I mean when I look back on it yeah there's things about my childhood that I would change but uh, I don't have like severe traumatic memories because of my mother
1: okay well okay let's put it that way this way Uh, it was a permissive lifestyle i mean you you have to check in with her and tell her where you were all the time or you know as a young teenager
2: none of us did patty didn't either really i mean we used to i remember being at patty's house and we'd be under the covers uh because you know Patty Patty Dar- okay. And her parents would come home and um, they were, you know, they'd gone out and they'd have a few drinks and they'd come back and um, we'd be just giggling because, you know, they were drunk and they were you know, having this kind of fake argument. They weren't really arguing, but her dad would go, your daughter is a floozy and your son's a meathead. <laughs> and her mom would be going, now, George, you know, get control of yourself. And Patty and I would be like stuffing the pillows in our mouths, just like trying not and to last Like 12 and 13, right? About 12. Yeah, 12 and yeah. 13. Wow. And a friend of that, we formed this group, Greenwich Village Kids. It started out as a website. My friend, Bibby, who's actually the mother of Beck, the, the musician. Yeah. Her dad is, is an artist who was like in, uh, Andy Warhol's familiar, and he had a loft where we used to hang out when he you know, wasn't in town. He had these huge uh, saxophonies of Hershey bars all over the place. So we used to hang out there, and um, she and I used to, uh, basically, we'd, we'd hang out in the streets in the middle of the winter. We'd go into a building by the park and sit under the stairs with the radiators. We weren't just knit. I mean, we not really terribly terribly bad girls at all but you know none of us we we didn't have a curfew none of us had
1: a curfew uh, that's what i mean very different lifestyle from mine in that it was yeah yeah, it was uh, well it was greenwich village you know it wasn't just my mom let's say where you were brought up on 99 perry street in greenwich village see i didn't know that (laughs) <laughs> even to the village she was far up but my
2: mother never had like manic or depressive episodes she basically was the kind of uh uh eccentric i guess for she was definitely eccentric
1: words. honey <laughs> yes but Did she, she um, changed her name from gina to she, novinda that was well, part- that was fairly common she was actually
2: Gene first, but Gina was like she wanted. She wanted to be an actress. She went to Herbert Burgoff Studio, where Patty also studied for years. Yeah. So she was going to be an actress. So Gina was her stage name, or her. She you was know, very dad. beautiful. She was, and yeah. when she was younger, according to things my father told me, she really was kind of nutty. But after her divorce and. Um, when we started to settle down in you know in the place where we grew up, she did. She went through therapy. She went through racking therapy, which helped enormously.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you know, she did used to embarrass me every now and then. But she wasn't. She was very <laughs> stable. She was strong. She always kept the roof over her head. We went to great summer camps. You know, we we you know we're in the right
1: place at the right time for that kind of lifestyle. And um, and I guess she loved me. Uh, of course, she did. I want to talk about too how how much different it was back then as far as age you know girls could start so much younger uh, having relationships you know and yeah shouldn't... and nowadays they look like sluts pardon my you know using that term little girls encouraged to look really
2: you know sexually available but then they're encouraged to not be so it's a really strange yeah. um, dynamic there you know the dichotomy is it's it's not it's unhealthy i think but you know, we had sex earlier, but we also had good relationships, you know, that were healthy. So, I know. Don't you,
1: I know. You, you don't have any, like, nightmare stories of being uh-huh. abused by any rock stars. Never. No. 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 The opposite.
2: They were I wonderful know. to me. I know.
1: That's how I feel, too. But you were younger than me. But but still, I even my early ones, when I was still virginal, you know, I stayed a virgin way too long, probably. <laughs> anyway technically uh, you were a virgin yeah yeah i was (laughs) Uh, until i was 19 and a half but i had relationships with people up until then you know um but okay so let's talk about some of your real early ones like how old were you and steven tyler when you hooked up i was 17 and he he was 19 19 okay
2: yeah
1: and and that was because he was a neighborhood boy i mean how how you you, i know he he was was from uh he
2: was from, I guess, the suburbs. He was from Yonkers, which is just above the Bronx. It's kind of like it's outside the city limits. And he lived in, you know, nice one family house, a detached house with his parents. His dad was a music teacher. Uh, I remember they were not there a lot because... I remember she had a friend, Henry, who had access to a car, so he used to pick, Henry and and Stephen and a couple of the other friends, he had, like, this group of friends from Yonkers would come and pick me up from high school, and the high school, I only went to high school till 12, because it was a professional children's school, a lot of the kids there were actors or models, you know, and... um, so you only did academics. So twelve o'clock school was over. I don't know how we. I think Patty went there too. How yeah, we can- She did. I think Patty. Yeah, Patty went there also. And and Liz Deringer went there. A lot of people did. Rick went there. I know that. And people like Chris Stein from Blondie. A lot of people went there. Um, because we didn't have to go to school much, and still, you know, could could you know be in school. So Stephen had graduated a year earlier. So he used to come pick me up from school in in Hen- with Henry in his car, and we used to go back up to his parents house because they i don't know maybe they were up in new hampshire but he was a lovely boyfriend he really was he i know you shooting. told me a
1: lot of good things about him he well one of the things i remember that you talked about was that he had in his bed built-in speakers into his bed frame. one on each side of the pillow yeah yeah so you were yep. like in a wall or it was really nice <laughs> and what did you guys listen to when you were being romantic i remember he played uh the hollies
2: Uh Uh, that was the name of the album that song carrie ann yeah hey carrie ann what's your game now can anybody play that (laughs) and there's another song where there's sound singing like they're underwater anyway i do remember i remember that very very well and how long did you two we went out for uh (laughs) about a year. And then I I went back to California. I'd gone to California for a couple of weeks to visit my sister who had gotten married to, uh, Lee, who was going to UCLA film school. So she, she was very young. She was 18. And I got, um, somebody gave me the money, somebody that I met in Greenwich Village with, Patty was there too, this guy comes out with a bouquet of Tootsie Roll pops and hands on me, and then he wants to meet a bunch of village kids, he's this German guy, and so he takes us to the Café Rienzi, and he, sees, he says, I want to make you happy. What can I do for you to make you happier than anything else in the world? And I said, I want to go to California to visit my sister. I was 15. So yeah. Franny must have been only 17. So he pulls out a bunch of money. In those days, people kept a roll of you know, bills sometimes as they were rich. And he did. And he, he said, well, how much would it cost? And I said, I don't know, 500 bucks. off. In those days, that was a lot. Of yeah, money. that's a he lot. He $500 and gives it to me. And I used that money to, and I, he wouldn't tell us his last name, but at one point he said, Would you call the hotel St. Regis, very fancy hotel off Fifth yep. Avenue, and ask if there's any messages for Mr. Kinsky? So I said, Okay, Klaus Kinsky, that must be the guy's name. Didn't ring a bell. Oh, but then later, whoa. when my mom. Yes, him. Well, you were only and, 15. It wouldn't ring a bell yet, I wouldn't think. No, he wasn't famous <laughs> in America yet. But. Uh, when we saw it, my mother took me to see uh, Dr. Shivaga, because she was a huge fan of Julie Christie. And the credits, Klaus Kinsey, and she grabs my mother, grabs my and she says, that's the man that gave you that money to go to California. <laughs> and she she loved himself loved just acting loved his role in the in the movie he plays the man on the train who's in chains uh-huh <laughs> who tells him he says i'm the only person on this train that's free and she thought that was you know really cool oh. so yeah i went to california oh, okay, wait a second weeks. let's go
1: back a little bit you were 15 okay. the first time you went to la i didn't meet you then no no okay. i was only there for a few weeks i oh. loved it though i thought
2: pink whipped cream and perfume toilet paper and spotlights on the palm trees i just loved it i thought this place is daffy the weather was great it was christmas there was like people were putting surfboards with santa on their roofs i thought this place is great it was like so not new york i just loved it and i knew i was gonna probably come back one day so i go back to new york Stephen. then i go back again a couple of like a year later after Stephen. no then i went to ella i went to San Francisco, came back from San Francisco, I was 16. Year later, I was 17. Stephen and I had been going, I went back to school. Stephen and I had been going out. I wanna go to California, I wanna see my friend Jeanette. So I drive across country with my friend John Boylan, who was um, in a band who played The Night Owl, was the first job I ever had. And uh, he was Linda Ronset's first producer. So he had to go there. So we drove across country, and Stephen sent me a telegram saying, letter mystery letter coming soon and they sent me this letter and it was a really really nice letter and uh, saying how much he said so miss the, the two people he loved the most in the world were me and his dog his two hours. <laughs> he said, both of you were gone but when i went back to new york i didn't pick up with him again and um it's and, just and one why, of those things
1: that I, I wasn't in love with him you and had grown and away yeah really yeah you were so yeah. young absolutely yeah exactly my first boyfriend was
2: Ralph Scala, who was in a band called the blues McGoose, and they were like the house band at uh and at the same time i only found this out recently the international submarine band played there on a regular basis and i oh, do have i don't have any memory of that
1: and I, that really surprises me because i want to tell you I mean, something I, I just hosted a, a graham parsons event online you know because uh-huh. i usually host in person um and john i found john corneal he had just, john corneal was the original drummer in I, I guess mickey govin didn't play drums or maybe john corneal wasn't a drummer then but he was in the band he was in the international submarine band and even on the song do you know how it feels to be lonesome graham such name, a great song oh name, my god name checks him the name checks john corneal and i hung out with john Uh, He got a crush on me, and I just felt like friendship with him, though. But we sang together, and we were going to do a gospel duet. We were both Jesus people. Wow. But I hadn't seen him in 50 years, and a friend of his got in touch with me on Facebook, sent me me his new CD, and it was just in time to get him on this Grand Parsons show. It was such a special treat for the Grand Parsons people. So anyway, it's still going on.
2: That's such a that's such a wonderful thing when those coincidences happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, Graham's always around. Graham is one of those spirits, yeah. I think. He's very lively. You know, there are certain spirits who contact easier. I think. You know, he's he's he, he, I have I've had a, you know a few dreams, few dreams about him mm-hmm. that were
2: not a lot recently that were really intense. And he was in one he one dream. He's been really nice to me, and um, I said, "Why are you being so nice to me?" I said after that week we spent together you you barely even said hello to me while you were alive and now you're coming to me in my sleep and you're being so nice why are you being so nice to me (laughs) well i'm glad he was being nice honey he was he was but the fact that i was aware that it was a dream was also interesting because usually if i have lucid dreams it's during the day when i nap when you're not that far under yeah yeah but it was really intense and i think I think maybe Nancy was in it because I met her that one time and I really liked her and I think she was very sweet to me. She, she told me, she said, I know Graham really loved you and that was such a gracious thing for her to say. Yeah, it
1: was. Yeah. She was a very different person than she is today. She, uh, she you know, sort of flipped it when Graham passed. Um, couldn't deal with it, huh? Well, Polly didn't have that creative an upbringing. Polly's trying oh, to write Polly. her book right now. It's such an incredible story. Um, you know, we're still obviously very tight. I've known her in yeah. life, just like the Zappa children. It's so far out. Yeah i remember meeting her then and she was just she was
2: young she was like maybe i don't think she was even 18 months she might have been but she ha- i
1: remember she had the same hands that grandma's it was beautiful yes. long she has, and the, she has his in miniature because she's very small yes. um, yeah she's tiny yeah she has his hands in miniature His beautiful and, and her mother's vivid vivid blue eyes i remember yes. nancy's eyes yes. were just yes. incredibly big huge eyes okay so yeah. let's go back again to um when you left new york the the time we met um yes and and then that was had you, you had already met robert plant is this correct or not yes You'd already i met, met him. him in new york okay
2: i met him right before i turned 18 the day after my 18th birthday they played at uh, and he'd been chasing me around new york but he wasn't famous of course then because it was the first time in new york they sang in an economy hotel they flew coach to get to new york but you could tell the writing was on the wall and then when they went
1: when they they (laughs) played
2: the Fillmore east uh they were the opening act for um, iron butterfly very you know iconic (laughs) concert they didn't want to go on stage afterwards iron butterfly because blood zeppelin that was it once you heard them that was it i didn't even know his last name then he announced the band and I thought he said, Robert Platt. And he was wearing that velvet suit that you see in some early, early videos of, yeah. of the band. And he just looked so beautiful. He'd come up to me beforehand in the restaurant next door. He said, oh, there you are. And he comes over and he asked me, do I want to come and see his etchings? And he actually remembered saying that years later. And I just, it was like for two weeks, this guy had been kind of pursuing me, but. Every groupie in New York wanted them, and I just didn't want to get into a fight with you know Devin and Je- Jenny Dean and all those oh other God, no. you know women. <laughs> yeah. So I just didn't didn't you know do anything. And then but after the concert, that was it. I knew it, it was a day after my 18th birthday, so I was just legal. It was it was January 31st, 1969. I was 18 years old.
1: Well, that's so. It was the music that because that's what did it to me. Because when- <laughs> it was the music. Well, no. Even before he played that
2: night, when I saw him, he was so fucking beautiful.
1: Yeah. I did. mean, he really
2: was. And he, he was. was only
1: 19. He was 20. Oh, was he just yeah, because so it was in January.
2: Crazy. Yeah. He just turned 20. God. He, was, he couldn't even drink in LA. Not that that stopped him.
1: But... <laughs> so, you, so you started a fling with him in New York? Yes. Okay. Yep. And you did you were you falling in love like right away or oh god yes immediately yeah in fact
2: after they left I was with my friend Ronnie Lyons who was the uh, I met him through Peter Peter Yarrow and he was really nice he in fact he paid my doctor bills and um, no comment and um, just he was like a dad <laughs> no, and, and no he took me to Miami for the Miami Pop Festival it was like the first large pop festival on the east coast and he was a tour manager not the roadie he was like the, the tour manager for uh um, focal and he uh, he was a good friend and i remember having dinner with him and i started crying i was getting all maus and maybe i had a glass of wine I, I told him i was in love with robert plant and I don't, he must have known who robert was but people didn't know six months later they were famous
1: yeah yeah i know same same thing i saw them play in la and i didn't want to meet i didn't want to. To have anything to do with them, the first time they yeah, came, yeah, because it's like it. horrible stories. I remember you telling
2: me uh, the experience, the things that were going on. I yeah. never saw, I only ever saw one thing like that. Remember when we hitchhiked to San Francisco, yeah. to see them, yeah, and it, and Robert sent me away, and I was very hurt. And I found out later that was the time they went to Seattle and the whole shark and and the the groupie incident that's still talked about happened. So I think he sent me away because. I was the ideal. I actually said I was the ideal, and I was the good girl. I was like, you know, that cleaned his palate from all the crap they did. Yeah. Which is kind of a burden because I had to stay, you know, perfect, and I wasn't. But I I was pretty innocent. I really was. So anyway, I was you and you and I wound up staying at my sister's, who was in San Francisco, and seeing the Stones and you wanted to go to Altamont, and I just had a bad feeling about it. I just said, Pamela, don't go. I just have this bad feeling, and you know, I can't blame
1: you, because you were, you know, good friends with Mick, so you didn't want to lose that opportunity. Well, I had just and started my fling with him. This you're, this is later. Yeah. This is a little later, because I had, Jimmy and yeah, I had already absolutely. had, you know, he'd already met Charlotte and all that stuff, I think. Well, no, it was, you, no, you yeah. hadn't met Charlotte yet. That so- was later. <laughs> You were still you were still seeing him because we had yeah, up to see him. the Zeppelin. He was not being true to me. He was not being true. Well, you had I, also I started, diff- honey. I think this is yeah, a different you... weekend because no, it's that I know for sure it was
2: that weekend we had hitchhiked up to San Francisco to see the Zeppelin. You were already seeing Mick, and I'm like, how can she expect Jimmy to put up with hers, you know, being with Mick Jagger? And I guess you thought maybe he wouldn't find out, but obviously he must have, and it wasn't till a little, it wasn't much later, but it was
1: later that he met Charlotte. Oh, I, I remember it was because I heard he was not being true to me on the road. And, and Mick had been after me for so many weeks. He, they'd been staying in LA for a while and I was hanging out with him. We were making out and stuff, but I didn't want to do that to Jimmy, and then I heard Jimmy was not being true to me. Honestly. So it's was like, "Fuck I, him, yeah, but yeah, yeah why what, shouldn't
2: I?" <laughs> that's what for the Gander, sauce for me. Yeah, because it was a double standard, and we just weren't putting up with it. And that's why people,
1: yeah, people don't realize that They see groupies as submissive. Maybe some of them were, I, but not us. We weren't I, like that. Maybe, well, maybe there were some, but the groupies I knew were not like that. No. Well I do that time not submissive, okay? And and neither you know many, many, you know, Catherine certainly wasn't either. You know. Well the thing is with us, they treated us the way we expected
2: them to. And otherwise we wouldn't have been with them. And they knew it. If you want to be with girls like us, you have to treat us well because we're not gonna stick around for abuse. We just wouldn't. But this one girl, I remember when we went up there. Robert saw me and I knew he was going to be glad to see me because we'd fallen in love the first time we met. So, and we, we had a, a good relationship as long as I m- remembered to, you know, not think about it too much, you know? Well, cause he was married. Um,
1: Let's get down to it. Yeah.
2: He's married. But yeah. he had just gotten married. <laughs> He'd gotten married a couple of months before I met him. Yeah. his daughter. <laughs> you know, there was, a, I think in a way because of all the the drama between him and Maureen and Shirley that I was kind of like a haven for him yeah you know I was this yeah. sweet little sweet little American girl who was not involved in any of that and I was pretty naive I was just 18 I was I was, I was really kind of naive and sweet and you were beautiful you're exquisitely beautiful well so were you I mean I just I you were like the always the angry the fairy on top of the Christmas tree to me <laughs> I remember the the flower, Cicely Mary Barker's flower fairy books, and I picked yes. out a, a fairy for everybody, and you were the the fairy on top of the Christmas tree. <laughs> that's so. So nice. you had this softness about you. You had this real soft beauty, and <laughs> to me, that's the most beautiful kind. I thought you. But did- anyway, so we went up to LA. We went up to San Francisco, and robert saw me came over and then there was this woman this groupie woman i guess she was she must have been a goopy. i don't know who she was never saw her again wearing this long velvet dress she wasn't very pretty and they had all this food laid out and robert gets this mischievous look in his eye and he picks up a plate of potato salad lifts up her dress she's not wearing any drawers or any underwear, and just smashes the potato salad on her ass and i don't remember i think she just kind of it didn't react much. She must have left to clean herself up. But that was the only time I ever saw anything like that. And that was really, it was really kind of
1: weird. Of that was really, really nasty. Crazy. Really, yeah. and I- even
2: when she put up with it because she felt she had to to be with them.
1: Yeah, and I was just well. That's shocked. the kind of stuff they would never do to us. Not that that never. was good to do to any woman, of course. And they they really did get up to some really naughty antics. But it was usually Bonzo in a very drunken state, and the roadies. And Richard Cole. And Richard Cole. And Richard. And you Cole. know the funny? The roadies. The funny thing is Richard Richard Cole has aged well. He is really a, he's turned out to be a really nice guy. I know. Fact, you would have imagined? He's many I know. years sober. I saw him kick someone's teeth out of their head Ah, for for, for approaching Robert. I saw it. I was a witness to it. Yeah. But he and I are very good friends, and we have been for a long time, ever since then, really. Yeah. So I remember the night that um, Jimmy Jimmy got a hold of my phone number. I didn't want to have anything to do with him because when I was in Chicago with Cynthia Plastercaster, she said, don't go near these guys. They're really great Mm -hmm. musicians, but don't go near them. She had their poster on the wall, and I said, "Who are those guys?" She, she knew early because it wasn't until yeah. later that they had those
2: horrible bodyguards. Those people were savage animals. Once yeah. I read the Graham, the the uh, um, Bill Graham biography about the shit that they did, and really? I know sto- I've heard stories from Robert, which I'm not repeating, not on the air. Maybe I'll tell you privately, but I won't say it for public, you know, consumption. I won't do it on the record. Things he told me. Um, and that was the last time they were played they almost killed or blinded one of Bill Graham's employees
1: for no fucking good reason. Well, you know, that, that girl um but that Richard Cole had upside down on at the, the experience with her legs in the air, giving her head, walking through the club. She wound That's up in the stuff. hospital. She wound up in the hospital from that night. I believe it. But it wasn't from Jimmy Robert or John Paul Jones ever. Not that I ever. Never. Saw i mean so robert, funny. Well, robert admitted it, to being bait like he would walk in a room and act like he was going to be there he didn't then he'd disappear but uh, yeah but anyway the night that that jimmy finally convinced me to go to see them play um I'd we went together well i know i'd seen him at the whiskey once but i didn't know them yet and um but I didn't. I thought he was too dangerous. So, so he invited me to Long Beach, and you were going yep. to be with Robert then. And yep. you the kept I, convincing yeah. me. You said, "Come, please. You're gonna, you're gonna love mm-hmm. them. We're gonna have." A good not, time. not only that, but
2: Robert told me something about you that Jimmy had said, and I passed the message on to you that Jimmy told him that he really liked you. And then he, you know, he thinks, Robert thought that you were, you know, like the the best um, girl that he'd ever shown an interest in. And he, re- and he really thought it would you know, be good for Jimmy to, to actually get to know you. And I told you, I said, Robert says that he thinks you're the best thing to come along, to, you know, for yeah, Jimmy sure. for quite a while. And he just had this feeling that you guys would, you know, hit it off. I said, you've got to go. So and I knew good. that. The, and that's all it took. The <laughs> way I was treated, you would be treated the same way. You know, yeah, that you yeah. Have Yeah, that's true. The funny thing is, Maureen had been with Robert in Hawaii. The wives came, Pat came, Bonzo's wife, and Maureen, and and I don't know if if John Paul's wife came, but they came to to LA. I actually saw her, and Mm -hmm. I knew when she left, I was going to be with her husband. And I (sighs) I, I was so young. Oh, yeah. But when it really hit home is when I went to went to England because Robert didn't want me to leave and I just I saw the shitstorm coming so like, I can't do that to another woman, you know I just couldn't you know but I I felt like just such a I didn't like being in that position I just felt like ground zero was a step away and I didn't want to be caught in the shitstorm so that's one reason I left because he didn't want me to leave Headley Grange,
1: but uh, yes, yeah, what am I going to do? He wanted to put you well, somewhere. He wanted to have he wanted you, to have- he wanted you, and you yeah. know, didn't like that either. You no, know? he wanted me to stay at Richard Cole's house. I wasn't gonna I be stuck in the country and be, you
2: know, the whole thing about why buy the, the cow if, if she's giving you the milk for free. And I just didn't, didn't. <laughs> I, I panicked, I panicked, and I think I probably made the right decision.
1: Oh, for sure, you know? oh, for sure. Um, so anyway, that night, um, Mm-hmm. I wound up with Jimmy. That was the that was our first yeah. night together. Yeah, we were standing on the side. Richard Cole put us on the side of the stage. I remember. I just to- we got to be on the stage, everybody, with Led Zeppelin. How many of you can say that out there? <laughs> yeah, from the beginning too. From- and yeah. Robert, yeah. Yeah.
2: not only has he sung that song "Going to California" to me, Penny's a witness. She saw it, and so did my friend. He sang it to me from the stage at here in Portland. But um, he said on the, because people say, oh, it was written for Johnny Mitchell, that one verse, yes, that was about her. But he said that record, well, anyway,
1: Jimmy told me that I was one of the inspirations for it. Well, and, told um, me it was you and me and it was some other girl. He said it was the California girls. It was you and yeah. me and someone else. I forget the other girl. Um, right. well, Maybe Catherine. It may have been it Catherine. Was. It probably was, yeah. Probably. But um, he did say
2: it was written his first two years in Led Zeppelin, and those are the two years that we we were yeah. We started in New York, went to LA, and then we the relationship actually did go to England, and that's where we broke up. So he said it was about the first two years of his being in the band. And um, Jimmy told me, because I was with Jimmy the night Charlotte was having the baby, he took me to dinner, and he wanted Robert and I to stay together.
1: He was not a good husband.
2: <laughs> no no you know he was going out with shirley before he got maureen pregnant i think he just got the wrong sister knocked up and then he just continued poor maureen i would not have put up with it if he'd been if somebody was fucking my sister and then got me pregnant i might have had the kid but i would not have married him
1: i guess i guess they were kind of estranged at that time they were I don't know. Who knows? You know, no one really knows about a relationship unless you were there. But what happened said what? Yeah. But I know
2: when I met Robert, I did not know he was married. And when I was in the hotel, there were these two girls, Honor and, and um Jane. These two girls and, and they were like hanging out in his hotel room and they weren't pretty. They were nice girls, and neither one of them was pretty. He wasn't you know involved with them at all. And I remember um they were cooking for us. I remember they made Robert some eggs, and then I said, "Can I have some too?" And Jane says, "Michelle wants some eggs too." Should I, you know? In other words, I was like asking them to cook for me, which, you know, I didn't mean it like that. They were my servants, but I figured, hey, you know, you're scrambling us. Can I have some while you're at it? <laughs> but anyway, so it's this weird situation. I'm in there with him, but these two two women are staying like in the living room part, and um, I saw a picture of a baby. And my heart just, oh. I knew by the way. I said, Oh, uh, fucking marry me. That's the first time I knew. He uh, told me the first time we were together about Shirley. I knew about it from the very beginning. He never kept it from me. Huh. And he told me, Yep, he huh. told me about it from the very beginning. He well, in those days,
1: it. too, um, you know, I always said I wasn't going to go out with married men. And I really, really stuck to it, nine, most for the most part. But you didn't know they were married. Like, well- so was- so I didn't know he had just married jesse coulter how would i know that if a a man took off his ring back then you didn't know anything and and, you know there's no way of going online and looking anything up is 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 waylon jennings married yes he's married to jesse coulter you know no you couldn't do that you couldn't find everything's an open book there's no secrets but back then it was very easy to keep those things secret like you said just take your ring off nobody's gonna know And and Zeppelin would stay and the Stones would all stay in LA and fly out from LA to the city. That was their hub. They loved LA. It was a hub. But the wives didn't know. The wives thought they were in, you know, Idaho or something. (laughs) They had no idea. And the only
2: actually Bonzo, who was the worst as far as being, you know, this reprobate, he missed his wife all intensely all the time and would much rather be so home. much he missed her all the time. That's why that's what Run. he got drunk yeah. and he got so so stupid because he was so angry not being with yeah and and also you know the band of joy the, the first band that they had um it it wasn't joyful. It was kind of an uh, kind of an ironic name, Robert told me because they were always hungry. And then when he would show up <laughs> Pat was like, oh, no, you're going to take my husband away again to you know, some off uh, on some wild goose chase where you're both going to wind up, you know, spending, losing more money than you earn. But when he finally got him into Zeppelin, of course, their fortunes went through the roof, but they never got to spend that much time together. And it, I remember the last time I saw Bonzo, I was with Jojo, Danny Lane's wife. Yes. Don't even get me started on him. Oh, but anyway. Or her. Or her. Thank you. What? You don't like her, I know you know. But anyway, so but she didn't she wasn't a good friend of yours. Just that in her defense. Anyway, so we're in the uh, Beverly Wheelchair and we're in bed and Denny is talking to Bonzo and they and Bonzo is like shoveling all his coke up his nose, one spoon after the other. And I don't think he died much long after that. He couldn't his body couldn't have lived, so what the abuse he put through. But he said that it wouldn't matter if they lost all their money tomorrow and they had to live in a tent. He said, as long as he and Pat and the family were together, that's all he cared about. And it just broke my heart, because you could tell the reason he was such a mess is because yeah. he couldn't stand being away from her.
1: He was like a big teddy bear when he wasn't drunk. He was so nice, and because yeah. he was Robert's best friend.
2: The three of us did stuff together. I remember going to this uh, uh, hot rod vintage car place, because he wanted to buy some of these amazing old cars that had been retrofitted. Yeah. and uh, you know just doing things like that and it's like the money is great but love is way more important and when you're not with the person you, that matters the most to you the money is
1: it's nice but it's not the same love is more important it's i remember just, taking you know. them all to nudie's rodeo taylor that's when they got the western look they had for a while yeah. and and uh peter peter grant and john bonham all bought little cowboy outfits for their kids i remember that yeah oh i wish i'd seen that (laughs) yeah and we took him to the glass farmhouse the very first you know uh vintage store in la that's where i got all my early stuff and i remember taking a lot i took jimmy there uh not the whole band i don't think it was just jimmy that time and i remember the gtos that's where we used to frequent all the time and we got many of our outfits there. And we took, I remember taking Rod Stewart there. And oh, but he him. loved it. Yeah, we decked him out. You
2: know, people people say what a jerk he is, blah, blah, blah. But I remember when I worked at Keaton's in, in London, everybody went there. I, I waited on Julie Christie. I waited on Rex Harrison. I waited on everybody. What was the name of the he place? Keaton's. It was off the Fulham Road. It was a restaurant. Yes. And, and when it was reviewed by Egon Roney, who was the big uh, restaurant critic in London, he said, the food is good. He said, but what makes the place so great is the serv- service. He said, each we had waitresses from all over the world and each girl had like her own little uh, fan club and, and, and her own little section with the you know the customers that liked her used to go. He, basically, the, the review was about us, about this. <laughs> but roster would come in with the faces they take the whole table he was the epitome of charm itself he was i have not a bad word to say but i'm not as not as a waitress he was extremely nice
1: he was very, always very, very nice. sweet to me to very charming also. yeah very sweet to yeah. me also he sang on the gto's album as you know the whole jeff beck group sang on our record um and he was he was a real you know we called him Rodney Rooster back then. I think we were the brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we the first hair. people who did. I think we were the very first people who called him Rodney Rooster. And and he was uh he sulked because it was taking too long to get his part on the record. <laughs> and the okay, GTO, where did he, And he, he left the uh the studio and we had to go find him. The, the GTOs are out there in the street. Go, oh, we called him Rodney too but back then. Rodney. Rodney. We're all Not to be confused with the other Rodney. No, not
0: to Did be me.
1: Rodney Bingham. Did they
2: a... for me? Oh I'm I sure remember hearing... I remember hearing Rodney Bing and described as looking like a disappointed pixie. And I just <laughs> not back then, but the
1: way he, he looked like me recently. I was like, <laughs> Well, I'm still very friendly with Rodney. He was a sweet guy He had a great year for music.
2: He was way ahead
1: of, on trends, yeah, ahead of everybody. I remember him and Kim Fowley. Yep. Those are the first two people I met when I came to Hollywood. The first two men I met in Hollywood. Actually, those are the people. (laughs) The
2: the most quirky, weird, uh, talented, just, yeah not exactly the 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 prince type though you know the prince and the fairy tale but really interesting characters yes i have a copy of, of the mayor of sunset strip which i know you're in
1: yep well i want to now you know we've talked a lot about the past we have another 10 minutes or so i want okay,
2: one other thing i haven't talked to you about much and when i write my book it's going to be in there but you know i had a, a kind of interesting relationship with uh, david gilmore and I yeah. knew him socially in London, and uh, he he really liked me a lot. Um, we'll talk about it another time, but yeah, that's that's another story that I, I haven't mentioned much. But I remember when I was in LA, it's like four in the morning. I got a phone call, and it's him. And he said, "I saw you in the whiskey," and I asked your friend, "Vicky, my friend Vicky, Victoria yes. with a long, long hair, yeah, uh, for your number." And she said, "It was late," because uh, of course back then I needed we needed our beauty sleep. You know. So uh, he he calls. She says, "I'll give you the number, but don't call her because she'll be asleep." He said, "But you were so beautiful. I decided to call you anyway." So uh, he did, and he took me out. I went on several dates with him, and he thought I was nuts to go out with a married man. He tried to take me away from Robert, and then when I was in New York, he also I also dated him in New York, and he gave me his. You know, I said I'm going to England. He gave me his. You know, contact information, but I never slept with him. You never slept with
1: him. Wow. Oh no! When
2: I first met him, I did. Yeah, but that's before I met Robert. Yeah, oh, okay. when they first came to America, and he was also very, very beautiful. And was- his parents lived in the village. Oh, they, lived in, uh, yeah, they lived in. They lived in in a complex called. Um, uh, what's the name of that place? It's, it's owned by NYU you now. But those of you don't during know during Washington, Square, Washington Square Gardens, I think. Anyway, and
1: he was so in they, they had
2: this.
1: He <laughs> <laughs> was what? I, you know, some people might not know he was in Pink Floyd, so I'm letting him know. Yeah, that David, and
2: he also we knew each other. We had friends in common in LA, and I used to see him there. And um, uh, my friend came to his house with me. We went to visit him, and she said, "Oh, you could be mistress of all this." I said, "Yeah, but you don't marry a house. You marry a person." And he was beautiful, <laughs> and I, we got along really well. And and I, I really but you didn't my, have a thing for him. I was in love with robert and i knew that if i would leave him for in a heartbeat for robert and and i didn't think it was fair to be with someone who you know i would leave in a second for somebody else and then i kind of thought about it and thought well robert and i aren't going to get back together let me let me think about this and that's when he came back with ginger and i'd actually put david on the plane when he went to america that time and then he when we he he used to see me socially and he would be with Ginger and he would be like all over me and I was like embarrassed and I kind of said, I'm really sorry, but and she was very, she played it really cool." She said, I'm all for love between friends no matter what form it takes. And I thought that, well, maybe she's the right person for him, you know, but she, he treated her terribly. She deserved better. I
1: think she deserved a lot better. I didn't know. But that. anyway,
2: you, you know, know,
1: Catherine brought David Gilmore to my 21st birthday party. Huh? How come I didn't see him? I was at that party. I was on LSD. Uh, Do you remember? I was living with you then. Yes, I do. I was on LSD and, and I was seeing Jimmy Page and he called me for my birthday. And as I was on the phone with him, Catherine walked in with David Gilmore. Now, Catherine was not invited, okay? She and I weren't speaking then. I didn't want to know her, remember? Jimmy oh, you hated her. Yeah, my Jimmy. my I was the only her, one that got... Left her for me at that point. And she, and she had some nerve yep. coming to that party. But she brought David Gilmore. I remember that. Looking up and seeing... So him. then you had to forgive her. No, I was mad. I was on the phone with Jimmy at the time. It really took my attention away. <laughs>
2: oh. Well, maybe David talked her into it. I don't remember seeing him, though. Really? Well, you were on Ask I don't, I don't, there. We probably... I probably yeah, was. Yeah, I, do I do remember the party, though. I remember it was a great party. Do you remember party, that
1: crazy and... party? the Clown came. Do you remember Dunkle? Yes, I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> I and that Guy ran. Do you remember meeting Nurea? Do you remember... Yes, of course. Do you remember... Do you remember old that... Old Man Ray Bob. was also the... at the party. The, the people who got there early was Old Man Bob, who was this... Wild old bald yes. man, Toscanini's head violinist, who wanted to be a hippie. Head so, violinist, yep. And and and, him, Duncan, Duncan Duncan. and the guy Ray, who wore Indian clothes and was bent over. He walked, I remember him too. He was bent over, but there was never any physical problem. The doctors couldn't figure it out. These were the first three guests at my 21st birthday party. You know? Do you remember Old Man
2: Bob brought all these cases of diet rice soda and ice cream, these gallon things of ice cream? Yes. And I remember Mercy would come over and open the freezer and just with a spoon and eat the ice cream. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> Mercy. Oh,
1: Mercy. Oh, these memories. Oh. So I just want to talk about, um, you know, more recent, how, you know, Michelle Oberman now lives in Portland, Oregon, and has for how long now? 20 years more than that i've been ma- i've been with evan for
2: 20 over 20 years uh, i've been here since 93. 1993
1: i moved here she From moved here. To, to portland in 93 and she got married how ten many years ago nine. Ten, ten. she married her boyfriend evan who's now of course her husband and um i married them that's right, I, Pamela Married. One of me. The things I do. I am a, a minister. And um, I married them and it was a beautiful wedding.
2: Oh, it was just wonderful. And Patty Darnville came, did my hair. I hadn't seen Patty yes. in 25 years. She came and I remember you thought she'd be too busy to come, but when I asked
1: her, she said, Oh no, I'll come. I was just so happy to see her. I know, that was thrilling. And we had that a, great. a lovely yeah. time. And I visited them many, many times. I, yes. I teach my writing workshops in Portland. And, of course, Michelle comes and, and uh, just everybody enjoys her stories so much. She's a wonderful writer. And we're all hoping she writes her book very soon. Oh, did I tell you that on, for our 10th wedding anniversary, Evan actually
2: had a computer built to his specifications for me so I could write my book? And it's absolutely beautiful. It's covered in real leather. It's just, and it, it took them weeks to make, he spent quite a bit of money on it. He's a wonderful, wonderful husband. Plus he's really cute. So, um, and he's letting his hair grow out. Which, oh yeah? yeah? Let me see him. I'm going to have to s- send you some pictures. He's in yeah. the other room, taking a nap, but oh, I will send oh, you. Okay. He lo- oh, It's growing okay. quite long. And he okay. started when he started working from home. And then when he got sick, he had to, um, he was in rehab for a couple of months, and he's—he was working from home before COVID. So this is like, this was normal for him. And so financially, we're fine. His job is totally secure. We oh, have plenty that's so of money.
1: Thank he God said he,
2: that. He said that yesterday. He said we have plenty of money. I thought that's such a nice thing to hear. Your husband is.
1: And he's it, no, also no. been very cool about you know when Robert came to town those many different times and you went. He was to- very good about very it. Very cool about it. Well, you took him most of the time
2: i did and robert wasn't happy about my being with i'm you told me because he wanted us to have a reunion you me and jimmy and and him robert he thought it'd be nice because of old time's sake for the four of us to be in la remember and he gave me all his numbers and everything and then he thought about it and thought i don't want to come between you and your guy and as it but we could have met for just a reunion. I mean, like you even said, come on, how many chances would we have to do this? And yeah. then he kept you know, wanting to do stuff and changing, you know how he is, wanting to do stuff, changing his mind. It's like, he's totally with you when you're right in front of him, but because he has so many things going on all the time and so many people, when you're not there, he forgets. And <laughs> he's mad at me and that's why you don't see him. I'm not gonna say on record why even though he doesn't deserve me not to say it but i'm not going to um because i still respect the relationship and things that i've things that people have told me in confidence i'm not going to repeat no matter how mad i am so because oh, yeah. Yeah. it's just it's not in you don't have integrity if you do that but it's nothing you know like that but uh, i'm hoping someday he'll realize that none of us are getting any older and this is really no reason to hold grudges. just i not getting, getting any older i
1: like that you said no we're not getting <laughs> any older let's stick yeah. with that <laughs> Well, that's kind of been, you know, your mother's background yeah. day all the time. Ageless. <laughs> that's so weird. We're ageless. <laughs> well, okay, honey. I, that was a fantastic interview. I'm now gonna close the show. Okay. okay. All right. Well, it was great fun. I love you. I love you so much. Yeah, me Bye. too. I don't have to come visit. I'll see you soon. soon. I'll see you as soon as this darn thing is over. Yeah. Okay. I'll okay. be I'll be there with Bells on. Love you. Love you so much. Bye, honey. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye. But there's Nikki wants we'll to say bye bye. Bye, puppy. Tell Mercy I love her and miss her and hope to see her and Catherine and Iva and everybody else. I love them all. Okay,
1: honey. Bye bye.
0: Spend my days with a woman and kind. Smoke my stove and drink. All in my wine Made up my mind, make a new start Going California with an naked in my heart Someone told me there's a girl out there With love in her eyes and flowers
1: Well, that was Michelle Overman. Um, Talk about amazing stories, right? Talk about so many names that we all know and love. You know, we're part of her life. It's really incredible. So I thank my dear friend Michelle for being my guest Um, here on Zoom today. You know, we're in our different spaces due to the virus. And I want to thank Pantheon for letting me, just talk to whoever i want to and you know have a good time with my people that i adore and i want to thank adam and eve too you know let's all buy some adam and eve products boy we could use them right now couldn't we (laughs) and i appreciate you listening i really do and all of us at pantheon are very happy that you're you know listening to our our tales and our our people who join us and anyway thanks so much for all of all of your ears and I will talk to you guys soon and listen I have if you want to reach me I'm on Instagram at Pamela DeBar uh, Facebook under my name uh, Twitter and my website is PamelaDeBar.com and uh, I hope to see you soon dolls lots of love bye there is-
0: been listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain all sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook Instagram or Twitter find all the Pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts find us on facebook at facebook.com backslash pantheon podcasts rock and roll archaeology on instagram and pantheon pods on twitter